Walton, and you are here for People Have the Power, where this week we have one of my favorite interviews from 2020. Spent an hour recently geeking out with Noah Cyrus about some of her favorite protest songs from Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. You can guess what that one is. Childish Gambino and much more. We also spent a lot of time talking about Bob Dylan, John Mayer, her amazing The End of Everything EP, her Grammy nomination for Best New Artist, and much more. I really hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did, because like I said, one of my favorites of 2020. Dude, I am, I am, you know, Alex will tell you, she and I have known each other for many years. I was absolutely blown away by the end of everything. It just Thank was, you so much. it just blew my freaking mind. It was so funny because the Grammys actually asked me to write your profile for the Grammy program. So I was listening really? to it. Yeah. So Dude, this I was, is still so <laughs> unreal to me. So, like, whenever my name and Grammys is in the same sentence, like, it doesn't seem real to me. Yeah, I saw you said, I mean, it's so funny for you. So, where were you when you found out? And it's interesting. I mean, at some point, does it become more real to you? Maybe maybe it doesn't become real until you get to the actual show. That's what I'm, I mean, I honestly don't even know because I've never had an experience like this. Um, and... You know, I was actually, I was dead asleep and I was in my best friend's apartment in New York. And, um, she's, she's like, I'm psychic. I'm psychic. I woke up at just the right time. And I guess my, my phone was ringing and my manager was calling on FaceTime and she goes, Zach is calling you. And she wakes me up and I answer the phone. Um, and it was, you know, all my work had gotten canceled, of course, because of the pandemic and everything. And so um, I was just, you know, out there for Thanksgiving with my best friend. And um, when I answered the phone, it was like a group FaceTime with my mom and him. And I was like, oh, like, oh, what did I do? You know, <laughs> like, oh, like, what's, what's wrong? Um, you know, and my mom, like, looked so emotional and I was just like, like, you know, like what's going on? And my mom was like, can I say it? And she said, <laughs> she said like that I was, you're nominated for a Grammy. And it took me like, I think, you know, I was still waking up and still everything that like, it took me a minute or two until I just couldn't stop crying. Um, <laughs> where it like, I was like, really? Like, really? I'm nominated for a Grammy? And it just, I kept, I kept asking and that's whenever it just kind of set in. And, um, it was such a, it was such a different feeling than I would ever expect for it to be. Um, it was way better, way, way more like rewarding. Like I've already said, whenever I talked on the phone to my dad, that the nomination was already my win. And, um, I, I was already, I'm already grateful. And so, you know, that, that was my win and waking up with the call from my mom, you know, saying that I got nominated as best new artist at the Grammys. Like, I, like I've already won in my mind and that was my win. And, and my dad and I just kind of talked about that and how, you know, how much of, a um, 
how much of an honor it is to genuinely just be recognized for your work and, and to be nominated. And, and that's really genuinely where a lot of the emotion came from was just that I'm so genuinely filled with gratitude that, that, that I'm being recognized for the body of work that I created. Well, you know, that's so interesting on a couple of fronts because, you know, obviously now what exists in 2021 or 2020 or whatever the hell year we're in, I don't know. Everybody loses track at this point. I haven't slept since 2009. So we're like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it is. It's some, it's some year, you know, whatever it is, but it's funny because whatever year it is now, (laughs) there is like 20, 24 hour cycle of people prognosticating and picking and expert predictions. So, and it's funny because I admit, I don't really follow that stuff. Were you, did you, is it something that you had seen quite a bit? Is it, was it a total surprise? Like, have you been oh my predicted by- It was a total surprise because I, you know, I, um, man, I swear, I feel like this was maybe only a month ago. Um, someone brought up the Grammys and I was just like, there's no way that I'm going to be nominated for a Grammy. I was like, I, I, I said, I made a joke. I was like, they were like, why do you say that? I was like, eh, my life just doesn't go that way. <laughs> and, you know, I just like made a joke like that. And I didn't even know it was the night before nominations are, you know, released or anything. So like when I woke up, it was a complete surprise. And like, I, I don't look at stuff. I don't, I, I try to avoid reading things and looking stuff up and uh, in all categories of life, especially in whatever year we're in right now. <laughs> so 2020. 2020. Right, right, right. And so. Um, I think I was just anxious for it to already be 2021. So I kind of jumped ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's such great talent and diversity in this category too. I, I mean, it's funny. Are there people in the category that you're friendly with or that you've gotten to know or that you particularly admire? And it's because I've interviewed Phoebe this year. I've interviewed Megan. You know, I, it's, it's, honestly, the, the entire list is such an incredible list. Phoebe is obviously incredible. Megan and Doja have, have taken this year by storm. And so I think another reason why I was so filled with gratitude, not only a, a, the nomination, of course, um, but you know, to see my name next to some of the most amazing female musicians or, and, and musicians that, you know, are also being recognized as this year's best new artists. These are people that I listen to. I'm, I'm singing WAP in my car every single day. So, you know, like I, that's, that's like the most empowering song for a woman. And so um, it, it's definitely eye-opening and rewarding to be in a category with artists that you that you listen to that you you know say so I know the whole dance didn't even notice you know so like I'm you know I'm I'm completely filled with gratitude that that I'm in the same category with the names that I am and the artists that I am by the way I love the fact that you mentioned WAP and you sing you say you sing it all the time because Matt Berenger from the National was on the show and I love Matt one of my favorite bands And that was actually one of his protest songs because uh, he talked about that. Uh, that's, that was one of mine. All right. So tell me why you picked that one. So, you know what? I picked that one, especially I love the video of everyone singing it outside the white house. It's just so empowering. And I think it's, um, you, you hear on the radio a lot or just anywhere in music, 
about men, men singing, and it's, it's, it's them singing about women and their bodies. And it's nice to hear women singing about them, their own bodies. And, and, and I feel like it made made some people uncomfortable where it shouldn't. And so um, for a woman to be singing WAP, you, you feel empowered because it's, it's something that a topic that typically would make someone uncomfortable, but it shouldn't because if a man was singing it from his perspective, it wouldn't make somebody uncomfortable. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's funny because you have a different perspective on it than Matt, but both of you obviously chose that song. And, and, you know, it's interesting. So for you, the first time you heard it, was it an instantaneous thing where you just felt this immediate connection to it? And did you start singing it the first time you heard it? I mean, everybody has to go now from the top, make it drop. So like, (laughs) of course you, I think also, I think that's when you know something's a hit. If you are singing it right away, whenever it's the first listen from the first listen, you're with your friends and you know, you're, I'm sure, um, Matt had a very different answer from this, but you're twerking with your friends and you're feeling, and you know, you feel good and it makes you feel good as a woman to hear this song. It makes you want to show off. It makes you want to, you know, whenever you're dressed up, it makes you want to show off. It makes you feel sexy. It makes you feel empowered. And, 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 and that's as a, a, a female artist, you know, um, that's all I would hope to do for my, for, for my fans, for my female fans and, and, and Megan, did that. They did that. I love the fact though, too, that, you know, and I, I mean, I feel like this is the case for a lot of artists that, you know, songs you pick are different. So different from your style, because I think for most artists, that is very much the case. So I'm so curious because WAP is so different sounding than anything on the end of everything. I'm curious what your next song is just to see if it kind of falls in vain or if it's like, if you're not at all. Okay. Not, not at all. I definitely um, took some time to like think about this because um, it's just, it's been a year, you know? Yeah. Um, not only like with the pandemic and everything that's just, you know, gone on um, personally, I also lost my grandma. So there was I'm like... Sorry. Oh, thank you very much. There was a lot of grieving um, from September to now. Um, so it's still very brand new. Um, but, you know, I was sitting and, I'm, and I live on top of a hill. So I kind of look over everyone in a way, which makes me like think out. It makes me think about a lot. Um, I'm a deep thinker like my dad. But the first, the first song that came to mind was John Mayer waiting on the world to change. Um, I love John. I love John Mayer. He's one of my idols. And um, I'll get to a cool story actually about John in a second. But, you know, this song was written in 2006 um, and or released in 2006. And it speaks so specifically to 2020 that we're all waiting for this big giant change. Um, And uh, what I was going to say is I was at a party and John came up to, and told me that July was one of his favorite songs. Um, and I couldn't believe that I, I wanted to be like, can you sing that one more time? Cause like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that like someone I've idolized for so long, even heard my music, let alone appreciated it. Um, anyway, you know, 
there's a lot of things that we haven't been able to, you know, control this year and some things that we're just not going to be able to control period. Um, we aren't fully protected. We don't fully know how to control COVID. You know, we can do our part by taking precautions, wearing our masks, you know, and, and, you know, staying inside, protecting the elderly, risking, you know, people's lives every day. We couldn't force a win for Joe Biden or whoever, whoever you supported, but we all played a role in getting the word out and getting him in office, making sure people had more resources than ever before to cast their vote. Millions of us came together and influenced a positive change. So, you know, I've listened to that song a lot throughout quarantine. That was one of actually, um, that's in my Spotify's 2020, like roundup playlist. That was one of my most played songs. Um, and I think that's helped me keep things into perspective and, and, and to be patient just a little bit more. And so multiple questions on that one. What was your most played song on Spotify? Now I'm just curious. Ah, let's look. Let's look. Oh, my most played song on Spotify, I believe, was All Come To by James Blake. Okay. Yes. That's that's what I posted on Instagram. I'm going on to make sure, but it was was All Come To by James Blake. Nice. You know, it's a really interesting thing because I talk about this with artists all the time, too. I love John. John is one of the coolest guys. And John is a no-bullshit guy. He doesn't suffer fools at all. I get along great with him. I've known him since 2004. But if he comes over and tells you he loves your song, because he's a true music person. The first time I met him, we talked for 45 minutes about Eric Clapton and Trio. And, you know, how Blind Faith and stuff influenced him. So I'm so curious, because obviously getting Grammy nomination is amazingly cool. But also, as I talk about with our having hit records, but there's something about having the respect of your peers as well. So it's funny. Can you, like, when you go back to that and you think about that, and it's like, does it sort of, you know, I guess I'm not curious where it ranks so much, but just sort of the impression and what that meant to you. And then to know, like, does it give you validation as an artist to, like you say, have someone who you idolize so much say that it's one of his favorite songs? It was totally a moment that felt like you were in a dream just because, you know, you idolize somebody, you know, from such a young age and, and play their albums on repeat and, you know, drive your mom crazy in the car playing their albums <laughs> over and over and all that, where when he came up to me and told me he let, he loved July, um, it came with, it came with, so much more than just, I love your song. It was to remember to appreciate that song and to remember the good that that song brings and how, how new I'm going to feel every time I perform that song and, and to keep, to, to, to keep creating songs like that, that that's the goal. And, and that's what, that's what really, you know, I think about what he said to me all the time. Um, it was like the, it was the best advice that I've probably ever gotten about my musical career. And probably the only time someone's actually sat and given me advice. Cause people ask me all the time, like, what's the best advice your dad or, you know, Miley or anybody's give your family's given you. I'm like, I don't know. We don't really sit around giving each other a bunch of advice, <laughs> but you know, 
like the best advice that I've gotten musically has been from John and it was to com- to keep creating music that you're going to want to sing for the rest of your life. And he told me, this is a song that's good, that, that I love right now and that people are going to love 20 years from now. And that's how you know you have a special record. And so I played him, I Got So High, I Saw Jesus uh, before it came out and he had the same response. And it was just to keep keep creating these records, keep creating records that you want to sing for the rest of your life. And so, um, you know, I... I got such a special bond with um, Peter Harding, who I who I made most of my EP with, and we wrote July, and I got so high, young and sad, um, the end of everything, the title track of the EP. Um, that's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Um, and again, I was sitting in my living room, looking at the mountains with PJ, and we were writing the end of everything, and I showed him this video. Um, It'll blow your mind. You're, you seem very busy with interviews, but if you have 30 minutes to watch, or I'll do a little plug, <laughs> my music video, The End of Everything, I, I had the director. Um, you, can, you can look and see his name is Melody Sheep on YouTube. It's called A Time Lapse to the Future. Um, and you, it's, a, it's a video of the end of the universe. Um, and Interesting. So, yeah, and so... We actually shortened that video and that is the music video for the end of everything because that is what completely inspired the end of everything. And so um, I showed him that video. We watched that video and um, we wrote the end of everything. And, and it, there was something that spoke, that spoke out to me a lot about, there are my dogs, sorry. It's all um, good. My dog barks in every interview, except for now he's tired because we just finished our fourth walk. So yes, my dogs bark when every car drives by. So, um, what kind do you have? I have a Bernese um, and a Mountain Dog and a Doodle mix. So he's a cute little Bernie Doodle. Okay. Um, and then I have a Maltese Shih Tzu, which actually I don't know if he's a Maltese Shih Tzu. I got him off of Craigslist. Okay. So like. I have no idea, um, but he, they're the best little guys and they're my best friends and they're <laughs> barking at the traffic going on outside. And it's like, you, you want to go check the door every five seconds, but I've learned <laughs> to like, just like, no, they're just barking for the hell of it. It's all right. They're dogs. That's what they're supposed to do. Exactly. <laughs> Nice. All right. You know, it's interesting though, because it's funny when you say that that video inspired the end of everything, because I was also curious about, obviously we're talking about protest songs, but I'm also curious if you're a big reader, because that song to me felt very literary, but it also could have felt very cinematic. I mean, it's such a complete story in three minutes, which, you know, is a, a, a tremendous accomplishment to be able to, to convey that sense of, um, yeah, I guess just that sense of a whole story in such a short time. I definitely will be honest that I'm not the biggest reader. If I was to tell you that I'm a bigger reader right now, my mom would be like, Noah Lindsay Cyrus, you are the biggest liar on the (laughs) earth. Um, So I will not say that I'm the biggest reader. I do see, I do, I do visualize everything and things that I see open up my mind a lot more. Um, and I'm also very like poetic. Um, I do like writing and I like reading poems. Um, but 
you know, to, to get me to read a 400 page book may be a little bit of a, a challenge. <laughs> you, I'm, that, that might take me a few months because I get a little <laughs> distracted, but I do, you know, um, I like telling a story. I've always been interested in the story in, in, you know, I want there to be within music. You can, you can almost see, see something, you know, I want to paint the picture. I want there to be colors that you imagine. I want you to be able to see whatever the song means to you in your, in, in your life, in your world. I want that to come to life in your brain and you see it. So I'm curious for you when you were like kid, what were those first songs for you? that you could see the story, that you could visualize when you heard them? Well, the very first song that I ever learned to sing um, was Terry Jack's Seasons in the Sun. <laughs> oh God, I fucking love that song. That's one of my five favorite songs of all time. And it's a childhood thing. And it's so funny because, you know, that song was crucified for so many years until Nirvana did it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, it's cool. But it is such a, like, I don't know why people, because maybe it was so emotive, so modeling. I don't know what it was, but I mean, people hated that song, but it's an incredible song. It's, All right. So now I have to ask just as a fan, any chance you will ever cover that song? Dude, I promise you 1000% my dad and I are going to put out a cover of that song. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. My dad and I talk about it all the time. And I, and I talk to my dad about it all the time. And I say like to him, you know, that all of this is because you had me singing seasons in the sun. And I would, I would sing it all the time with my dad out in, you know, out in his, uh, he had like a little gym, like outside of the house in Nashville, we, where we live there. And he would go out in the gym and I'd go and he'd work out and he'd play that. And I can't stop this feeling <laughs> over and over. Those were my two favorite songs. Um, but I remember Seasons in the Sun. That's a really dark song for, for a child. And I'm talking like learning how to talk type thing. You know, like once I was talking, I was singing. And so, you know, I knew and I remember feeling the sadness of the song, though I may not have understood at the time the exact wording of the song and what everything meant. But I remember feeling the sadness and, and feeling the emotion and the connection to it as a, as a young child. And that's something that's always like kind of stuck out to me. Like I didn't really know what the song was about, but I remember knowing that it was sad and I remember feeling it. And that's something that I love about Ben Howard's music is I could listen to Ben Howard, you know, play guitar and, and tears would come to my eyes because of the emotion within the instrument that he's playing. Um, and I feel like that's almost what happened with Seasons in the Sun was I was I was so into the music, you know, as a kid, you know, you don't you don't think as far into things. I think I was just so really just into the music that I didn't even need to hear the words, the melodies, the instruments, the 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 like the musical melodies with the guitar and everything or whatever instruments that 
was enough for me as a child to connect to a song. And that's one of the earliest memories I have of feeling a feeling towards a song and really not even capable of, of understanding how deep of a song that really was at the time. That's so fascinating to me on so many levels. But one thing is, it's interesting because I talk about this with the artists all the time when we're doing this show, right? Is like, look, if you have a song like What's Going On, Marvin Gaye, or you have a song like Living in the City, Stevie Wonder, you could hear those when you're five years old and they just sound great musically. You don't know what the fuck it's about, but you can understand that it's catchy and it's fun. And then the song changes for you over time when you realize the importance of the message. So I'm so curious. When was the point for you that you realized sort of the depth and the darkness of Seasons in the Sun? Well, like I said, I always felt the sadness and I've always been one to gravitate towards sad songs. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like sad songs. I love ballads. You know, not all ballads are sad, but, you know, most of them. Um, I love ballads. And I think that's kind of just because my dad always was playing ballads and um, my dad and I's song is Vern Gosling, Is It Raining at Your House? We always text each other whenever he's in Nashville, like, is it raining at your house? Like it's raining at mine. And we'll text each other. The, Do you miss me? Like I miss you. And we'll like text the lyrics to each other. But, you know, I had to have been around, around five or six because, um, my grandpa had passed away around that time my dad's dad. Um, and I started understanding the words. I've never been asked this question. So I kind of have to think back for a second or I've never really even thought about this. Um, but I, I, I think I remember, you know, the words of him saying goodbye to Michelle, goodbye, Michelle, my little one. And I think I started to understand that this song was about him dying and about death. Um, which made me appreciate my dad even more when we were singing it. Um, and it made me, it made me a really sensitive person. I think actually, I think this song actually kind of helped, you know, shape me as a kid, you know, just a young kid. I, um, really learned to appreciate my family and everybody. And, um, you know, my dad actually explained to me the meaning of the song one day. Um, and I forget how old I was. So I had to have been young around five or six and he explained, you know, everything. And, um, I've never taken the song lightly, but it's always been almost like a comfort song because that's, that's, that's what I learned to harmonize to. That's what I probably learned to probably someone to talk to, you know, like that's my earliest memory of a song. Every time somebody says, what's your first song? I always say, well, Billy Ray Cyrus, you know, but really it it had to have been Seasons in the Sun because that's just my, my earliest memory. And my dad to this day, we have this CD with a smiley face on it. I don't know if my dad, if it's that CD or what CD, but it has that I can't stop this feeling song and seasons in the sun on there. And we've had this CD for 20 years, my whole life. And we take it to my dad's truck. We play it um, in the gym. We, or I'll, or I'll pull up the song on my phone and my dad and I will go on drives, but I swear this song has just, you know, there's not been one year that I've gone in my life 
that that I haven't sung this song or spoken about this song or or sung that song. This is so fascinating to me on so many <laughs> levels because well, Alex will tell you like what I told her what a fan I was, but now I feel like I I understand because this song obviously influenced your music so much. Absolutely. And I first heard this when I was, it came out in 75 when I was six years old and my dad had cancer. So I understood the, the impact of it. And so it's always been a song that stuck with me my entire life. And for that reason. So it kind of explains then in a way why I felt such a visceral connection to the end of everything. But it's so interesting then you think about it. It's funny because you say it shaped everything. So when you go back and listen to the end of everything, then talk about how you hear the influence of a song like that in your music. Absolutely. I mean, definitely. I mean, when I say like it shaped me, like that's no exaggeration. Um, I've really been listening to that song since I was a little girl. And I think that's why I'm not afraid to write music that hurts. And um, the end of everything EP, it does hurt to listen to. Um, It hurts me to listen to. Um, But you know, death is something that I was afraid of and I'm starting to get less afraid because my grandma, I just lost my grandma and, you know, I'm starting to get less afraid because I'm, I, I get to reunite with my family again and that's something that doesn't scare me anymore. The reason I said it shaped me was that it it just it made me it made me sing and write songs and talk about things that were un, uncomfortable or or really like dark people people sometimes I'll be writing with people and they're like that's dark and I'm like but it's not too dark <laughs> um you know i i have a song where i where i wrote the lyrics pj and i wrote living fast and dying slowly, just two cold and lonely bodies, nothing more. And, you know, um, that's, that's a line about, that's not any of my songs that are out right now, but I, that song, that, that lyric is about just coexisting with somebody and not existing together. You're, you're just next to each other and you've grown cold and you've grown distant. Um, and someone, someone was like, "Is that a little too dark?" And I was like, "No, what you, no." And I, and I, I think mean, I, I, so far, I don't understand the concept of too dark, but it's similar because I've had people say to me like, "Oh, sorry for being too honest." How the fuck could you be too honest? But likewise, I mean, how can you be too dark? It's just real. So for you, it's a two-part question because I, I did this for a Forbes roundup years ago. Saddest mm-hmm. song of all time, but also I'm curious for you, what is the darkest song of all time? So both of them for you, your saddest song, and then the darkest song. Because I don't think there's such a thing as too dark a song. I think as long as it's honest. I don't either. So I think it's just sad. You know, I would honestly say Seasons in the Sun. Uh, okay. That, that really is one of the saddest songs that I've, I've ever heard. You're listening to somebody individually say goodbye to their family. Um, probably. That's such a hard question. Sorry, you weren't expecting. I'm just curious. Like, but usually there's one song that sort of comes to like just gut answer that comes to mind. Mm, I don't know if it's. I would say the saddest song ever, 
but I don't know. Wait, let's come back to that one. I want to think about that one because that's a really good question, but I want to come back to that one because I don't have the answer for that yet because we're talking about seasons in the sun and I'm like, well, you can't get much darker than that, which I don't really believe in too dark of a song either, but you can't get much sadder than that. But you know what? Uh, Actually, don't think twice. It's all right. Interesting. Yeah. See, I think of that as, as it, that's, it's funny. I was just talking about that today with uh, Adam Clayton from U2 because that's in, that's in my top five kiss off songs of all time. Really? But I don't think it's, yeah. I mean, but I see it as more of a fuck you song. Yeah. There's something about it. Uh, I mean, it's a great fuck you song. It's, yeah, it's, it is. There's something about it that, I don't know, that, 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 that line of, but don't think twice that you're hurting me. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Like you, you live fine. You're, you're, you're getting on fine. Just hurting me. Um, is something that like I relate to, um, especially like in relationships, past relationships, you know, just the significant other being okay with hurting you and, or leaving you or making you feel worthless. So don't think twice. It's all right. Um, but then he ultimately gets the payback when he delivers like the coldest line of all time, which is you just kind of wasted my precious time. Uh, don't think twice. It's all right. I mean, what could be a harsh, what could be a harsher line to say to somebody you're leaving behind than simply you, you were just a waste of time. I know. I know. You just there's no harsher. My precious time, but don't think twice. It's all right. It's the best song ever, man. It is. It it is. I mean, you know, it's a fascinating thing because you can go down a long rabbit hole with Dylan, and then of course he's written some of the saddest songs of all time too. Like if you see her say hello, which is in my top ten songs of all time, which is an incredible song from Blood on the Tracks, but it's such a beautiful sad song. So I don't know if you know that one, but if not, I definitely, rec- I definitely recommend it. It's no, one of my I'm favorite a albums. fan and he's, he's inspired a lot of my up and coming music. That's, that's soon to come, um, that I've written with, with Peter Harding and I'm really excited. And, um, Bob Dylan was one of the biggest inspirations for my, uh, up and coming music. So I'm really excited. So when you say up and coming music, what's the timeline for that? I'm excited because um, there's some stuff I haven't announced yet, but I do have a new single coming December 11th that I'm very excited for. And um, I think it's just going to start a whole new chapter. And um, I have a lot of, of things for next year that I'm just excited about my own album and, and more. And um Man, I've just been I've just been making music and like love me love love making it and and that's exactly that brings me back to exactly what John told told me to do John Mayer told me to do was to to create music you love making and and you'll love it forever you'll never get tired of singing it no one will get tired of hearing it um, now, I love the fact that he told you that because he told me there are certain songs of his you could probably guess which ones that he's like I hate <laughs> he's like I hate playing these songs yeah. So it's funny that that advice came from experience. But now, okay, I I have to ask this as a Dylan fan, because I mean, look, there are so many I mentioned, you mentioned Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. 
Then I mentioned if you see her, say hello. Then you go to a song like Hurricane. You go to later on stuff like Not Dark Yet, which is another one of the greatest songs of all time. There's so many eras of Dylan. So, so what era of Dylan would you say is kind of influencing the upcoming stuff? Or is it overall sort of Dylan-esque thing? Because there, he, he covers so many sort of style, at least lyrically, he's such a diverse guy. He's definitely diverse, which is what, you know, I'm definitely diverse as an artist. I wouldn't say that there's like a specific Dylan, you know, era that, that like we um, specifically were like, let's go after this. I was extremely inspired by Slow Train Coming. So, you know, um, I would say you could, you could maybe say slow train coming, but that I wouldn't want to pinpoint it to one because I'm such a Dylan fan overall. But whenever you said that, I literally look over to my right on my desktop and I have a screenshot of slow train coming right on my, um, thing. And it was something that I, you know, was listening to and I sent it over to PJ and that was literally months ago and you know it's crazy that we're sitting here having this conversation now um but yeah well i think that's the thing is like great music though it sticks with you it stays with you so now i am curious as well by the way because uh we're gonna run out of time because we've been on for a while but I know, you I can, because we're you, such good friends that i well you and i can geek out over music all day long all you day. know yeah so but now i'm curious what what what's your next protest because i'm also curious if you picked a dylan one or not I did not. The next, the next song I picked was "The Story" by Conan Gray. Um, okay. Yes. So Conan and I are are really close friends, and I love all of his music. But I related to this one. Um, well, I saw him live in in LA. I texted him, and and I was like, I, I have to come to your show. Like we call each other emo brother and sister because we we are two people in pop and have black hair and, and kind of look similar. We could pass as brother and sister cause we have black hair. And so we're always like emo brother, emo sister. I was like, I want to come to your show. Um, and my best friend Amari loved, loves Conan. And so, you know, we had never even met. That's how, that's how it is nowadays. You're like brother and sister with someone and you've never met. Um, well, especially in 2020. It, yeah. But we're, we're in 2021. Um, so <laughs> well, no, hopefully in 2021, you'll actually get to meet him. Well, we met, so I okay. went to the show and, you know, we, be, we become good friends since then. Um, and I've always been one to speak out about anti-bullying, the effects of bullying that, you know, that you can have on somebody. And as I've been a victim myself, I've also used my platform to promote, you know, the gay and trans community, as Conan says, you know, uh, in the song, it ain't funny, it ain't pretty, it ain't sweet. But whatever hardship someone is going through or current moment, it's not the end of that person's story. Um, and again, I think it's important to remember that in 2020, we're in 2020, let's, <laughs> we've been very confused, but it is 2020 that it definitely kept me going while having to adapt to new norms. Um, and being outside of my comfort zone away from my family and the studio, you know, I ended up building one in my house and I haven't seen, you know, anyone but my mom in forever. Um, and, you know, no producer, writer, friends, anything. And then I'm making 
the most of it. I'm able to Zoom and FaceTime, <laughs> and I've done a whole EP with with Peter Harding that'll be out in 2021. So, um, you know, as well as the songs that have been on my own album and will be on my album. Well, that's such an interesting thing as well, because it's something I've talked about with so many artists is, you know, look, having to work on a different schedule, everybody has talked about the fact that they've actually found a creative freedom. It's inspired them in ways that wasn't imaginable, whether it was, you know, um, I think Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park telling me doing a whole thing of instrumental Twitch albums or, you know, G Easy, who's a friend covering freaking Bob Dylan and Beck, which he never would have done at another point. I love his cover of Beck. Yeah. But he never would have been able to do that before. And so it's for you, do you feel like in this time when you've had all this sort of different sort of space? And by the way, I want to ask you too, because you mentioned earlier the fact that you were very cinematic. So obvious question, favorite films and things that have sort of influenced you, you know, visually. Easy. My... La- the last movie that inspir- that inspired me visually was The Notebook. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of sad movies and the, and the big sad movies. Um, but the last the last and and y'all see why soon. But uh, The Notebook really inspired me. Um, Titanic's one of my favorite movies. The Fault in Our Stars is one of my favorite movies. It's sad. All of all of my favorite movies are kind of you know sad movies. Um, so what's your what's your ultimate tearjerker? And this comes. We still haven't answered the saddest song question either. But the one movie that can make you cry every freaking you could see you've seen it. Like it's funny for me. There are two. Brian's song, the original Brian song though, the 1970, and and Life Is a House with Kevin Klein. Yes, I love you. P.S. I love you. Okay. That's just like every time, um, you know, they're down to the last letter and Harry Connick Jr. is like, and here it comes, the big one. I'm like, oh no, my eyes, they're getting heavy. (laughs) They're getting heavy. Oh my, Harry Connick Jr. was at James Corden whenever I performed and I freaked out. (laughs) I, I freaked out that he was there. I'm curious, by the way, too, are there TV shows that, that like also sad TV shows for you or is it more movies? You know what? With TV shows, things that inspire me like American Horror Story. With TV shows, I'm a little more into like the mystery and whatever. And like, you know, I'll, I'll watch other movies. My favorite cinematically shot movie uh, is, um, sorry, now I'm like, why I might I can't think of it. I just was about to say it. The Secret Life of Walter Mitty with uh, Ben Stiller. Okay. Um, that one that one inspired me musically, visually, uh, personally. That that movie touched me on so many levels. And I've shown that movie to so many people after that. And I loved that movie so much. Um I'm probably gonna watch that after this. I love that movie. Huh, now I may watch P.S. I Love You because I don't remember the last time I said, yeah. Now you, perfect. <laughs> All right, so, so last, by the way, do you have any other protest songs? Because I don't want to leave ones out if you, and if you don't, you're cool. People have picked. I do, I, I was going to say, you know, th- this song obviously took the world by storm whenever it came out and it's an obvious one, but This Is America by Childish Gambino was, you know, it had such a powerful message within the song and the video. Um, 
inspired me to put action behind my words to it woke me up and many others that there were big issues in our country um gun violence police brutality um racism and it came out and a few years ago but the message obviously still stands and is more powerful now just like waiting on the world to change more than ever and what why why does why does somebody just make them different um and that that's something that why why do you treat them poorly because of of a different color the judgment um that i became aware of and i think a lot of people more than ever became aware of it's it's our job to back, to back them up and to back it up well it's so interesting are there artists for you that you really look to or admire over the years for the way that they have been able to use their voice and use their influence and be able to impact change but also to speak up because you know it's interesting you go back to the 70s 80s there were a lot of people who spoke out and then there was kind of a period where it just wasn't as common for people to speak out. And in the last couple of years, it's been a great thing where you have so many artists and especially in 2020, we have so many artists speaking up for the first time, you know, in a long time or maybe using their voice in a different way. So for you, are there people that you admire over time for the way that they were able to balance both their music and their calls for social justice? Yes. Um, I literally just Chance the Rapper. I was just talking about this. Um, I admire Chance the Rapper so much for um, all for all the charity work he does. Always posting about you know everything he posts about. Um, you're always seeing Chance the Rapper doing something and giving back, and that was something that you know somebody that inspired me. You know, and made me want to do the same. You know, and that's and that's why you do that. That's why you publicize that you're, you're, you're doing things. So you inspire other people to do the same, to speak up and to work harder and to, you know, protect people, give back to your community. Um, and Chance the Rapper has done an amazing job at, at, at doing that. And I definitely has, that's never gone unnoticed to me. Yeah. Um, super cool dude too. All right. So, uh, so uh, I, we have to wrap up in a couple of minutes and, you know, which is fine, but I mean, I could keep geeking out with you all day on this stuff. So, <laughs> so one, I realized that you haven't, did you think of a saddest song? And if not, you can always tell Alex, you can email it to me. I'm just curious on your, you know. I'm going to have to tell Alex to email you that one. Um, you know what? It would either be, I can't narrow it down, but it would either be one of a Ben Howard song or an Alex Turner song to me, just because they have such a personal touch on my life. It, it may be, I forget where we were by Ben Howard or, it, you know, everybody has their own personal status song or maybe, um, glass in the park by Alex Turner or, you know, I don't know. That one's a really hard question for me that I might have to get back to because I listen to so many sad songs. Most of my songs that I listen to are sad. So it, it's kind of hard for me to pick a favorite. Uh, we're going to wrap up in a second on Grammy stuff, but is there, so, you know, now, you know, I don't know if this will happen in 2021 because this will be next year or whatever the hell it does happen in future. But for you, who's the dream Grammy duet? Who's that one part, you know, cause that's one of the things they do are those sort of moment things. Who would be the dream person for you to perform on the Grammys with? 
I, I always say my dream person to perform with or sing with is Alex Turner. Always. Okay. Always. I, I'm just, I saw him live and it, and it changed my life. Same with Ben Howard and, and Bonnie Vare. There, there were three concerts in my life that I've seen that have taken, that, that took over me completely and, and everything that, that everyone that was in the audience and everything, it just stopped. And, and it was just them and the stage. And I feel like that's how it should be. And that's an artist. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. All right, cool. What do you want to, I was going to say, what do you want to add that I didn't ask you about? But, uh, you know, I feel like we've covered a shit ton of stuff. Huh? Oh yeah. We've, we've covered everything. Um, I don't know if we've covered everything. We, I mean, we've covered PS. I love you. Harry Connick Jr. Um, what else? Ben Howard, Turner. Alex Turner. Ben we Howard. covered seasons in the sun for 15 minutes, which is fine. We, Cause we Good portion of this interview talking about Terry Jacks. Which is fine because, you know, 99% of people don't know who the fuck Terry Jacks is. So it's good to Absolutely. give him some love. Everybody else is going to be like, what is Seasons of the, in the Sun? It's okay. Go look it up. Well, then hopefully they'll go and they'll look it up. And get inspired. Absolutely. Well, it, it's interesting. All right, we'll wrap up on End of Everything. And, and also on future stuff, since you say you have a lot of stuff written. Going back to John's advice, you know, I mean... Are there songs for you? Because I was talking about this with Adam Clayton today. We were talking about, right? When you're in the studio, you're you too. You're making all this stuff. You're, of course, trying to do all the best that you can. And you're trying to create songs that are going to change the world. But as an artist, you're also always your own worst critic. So there become these moments where, like, you know, like he was saying, like, for example, Walk On, which won a Grammy for Record of the Year. He's like, we didn't even know that was going to be a hit. He's like, when we were doing one, we knew instantaneously that that was something special. So for you, when you listen to your songs, do you feel those moments where you just hit upon something? And for you, of both the new stuff and the stuff off end of everything, what are a couple of those moments where you are just like, yeah, I, I felt that this is a song. I'm going to following John's advice that when I'm 50 years old, I'm going to want to still be singing and it's still going to feel relevant to me. To be honest with you, with that entire EP, there's not one song that I don't love um, off of the end of everything. But if I was to choose one, I would absolutely, I mean, obviously it goes without saying July, the day that we wrote July, PJ and I were on FaceTime last night talking about this. We talk about it a lot. Like we're at this writing camp, right? It's a pop writing camp and all of this stuff. And um, we, 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 we play this song at the end of the day and we're the only people that has created a song with just a guitar, you know, every, it's a pop camp, all this stuff. And I didn't really belong there because, you know, it was a little just too pop for me. And um, I was far away from home and I get nervous. I, I'm born with anxiety. I, that's okay. And I get, I get anxious. And I, so I, you know, was kind of ready to go home. And then PJ and, and um, Mike Sonier and I, we were all in the room and, and we started writing July and, something about PJ and I just connected on another level where I was able to talk to him. Unlike anyone at that camp, unlike anyone that I've written with before. Um, uh, unlike, you know, you know, there's people, you kind of find your, your team. Labyrinth and I were a really good team. Peter, Peter, Peter and I are a really good team. Um, 
and it's it's amazing whenever you Aunt Clemens and I were we're a really crazy team, and it's and it's great whenever you find that and you. Ilse Juber and I, I love her. She's an amazing writer. I love writing with her. It's amazing when you find that team and you're able to work with them. Um, so I would say July, you know, there's a listening party at the end of the, at the end of the trip. And um, I played July and, you know, everybody listens to everybody's songs, but everybody stopped and they listened to July and they all clapped at the end. And we were like so excited but it was not what you would expect from this song. And you would expect, especially not expect the reaction or the, the almost, I, I don't want to be wrong, 700, 800 million streams that it's gotten you, it, from a song that is like July. You, you don't expect that, you know? And so I went with my gut. I, I went with the advice that I got. And, you know, I had, I had already written, this is now months and months after we'd written, I got so high, I saw Jesus and, that'll always be special to me, liar and the end of everything. Um, you know, lonely is, is about one of the hardest times in my life. I've been on tour, suicidal on a tour bus. And, you know, all you want is to go home. All you need is, is, is to feel heard. All you need is to, you can be around a thousand people, you know, with, with our job and, and people think that, you know, you're okay. Um, you're, you're perfect. You're made of, you're made of stone, but you're not. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, hard whenever during the day you go through Noah problems and then hit, you know, 9 PM, whenever it was time to, to hit a stage, it's hard. You, you switch, you, you go on and you do the stage, you have a high for the hour, an hour or whatever you're on stage. And then you go home, go in your tour bus and, and it's quiet and it's down and it's hard. And it's hard for somebody like me, you know, with a brain like me an anxious mind like me uh, to be on, to be on a, a tour like that when you're not in the right state of mind. And luckily I've gotten so much, mentally healthy and, and, and started the conversation of that. I love to, you know, tell my fans to, to start that conversation with, with whomever, if, if they're feeling any of the ways that I've described myself um, to, to reach out, to speak out that there's, there's going to be somebody to listen. There's, there's always going to be somebody that you can find somebody to help something to help, um, you know, so, you know, yeah. so interesting, and I know we got to wrap up and Alex is going to yell at me in a second, but you know, of all the people that I've ever interviewed of the, the 8,627,000 artists that I've interviewed, the person who actually explained it best to me of all of them. And I'm a huge fan of is Barry Manilow. Okay. He was telling me that, you know, he explained it so well because he's like in the seventies, right? He's like, he's the biggest star in the world. He's playing arenas. And he's like, I couldn't trust anybody. He's like, I would play to 20,000 fans and then I would go into my hotel room and be totally alone and by myself. And I was like, I was so lonely. And of course he was gay at the time, obviously still, you know, still is, but he was closeted. So he had to be extra careful about people finding that out. But so he explained it to me so well of just that feeling of being in a room, 20,000 people, everybody shouting your name. And then he's like, I would go into the hotel room and there was literally no one I could trust. There's no one or that you know, you, you call or it's like you're, it's just you in your hotel room and, you know, 
everybody needs their space. You've been on a bus for a while, every, you know, and it's just you and your hotel room and, and it, and it does get lonely, but, um, you know, it, uh, all of, all of these things, I'm, I'm starting to realize all of these things happen for a reason. Things happen for a reason. Life happens for a reason. And, um, you know, I'm making music that I'm, I'm going to enjoy years from now. I'm, and, and I'm taking that advice that I got from John Mayer and I love the music that I'm creating. Um, and, and that's what matters. You know, if, if, if I'm happy and I, and I love it and I'm confident and I'm creating art that inspires me, then it's going to inspire other people. It's not going to inspire other people if I'm not inspired. No. Cool. Well, on that note, because, you know, we got the wrap up 15 minutes ago. <laughs> I've, we're having a good thing going. So. Well, I look forward to, you know, the other thing too, Alex will tell you is that, you know, I build relationships. So I look forward to, you know, when the, when the next record comes out, continuing to talk and, and, I would you love know, to, please. Cause right, well, I love geeking out. There's nothing I love more than geeking out over music. And that's all we've done for the past 30 minutes, hour, hour, hour. hour. Yes. So I'm, I'm so happy and, you know, I, I love talking about music and, and that's, it's, this was one of my favorite interviews ever. Thank you. Well, you know, and I, <laughs> I fucking talked to everybody, but this was one of my favorite interviews as well. This was a blast, but we, wow. I feel like we have this. That we means so fucking much to me. Thank you so well, we much. We have the seasons in the sun kinship. So it's like you, you know, when you I find know. that bond, I'm literally now I'm going to go in the other room, eat dinner and listen to seasons in the sun. I'm going to do the same thing. All right. Cool. All right. This is a pleasure. Take it easy. Take and care, we'll, we'll talk thank, again soon. Thank you okay. so, so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been listening to people have the power with special guest Noah Cyrus. Thanks so much. Everything you fear is gonna end All you hate and hurt loves to win And it's hard to know